Last week, I read Bob Hinkle's essay about what were you doing when you were seven. It got me reminiscing about when I was seven, when my family was living in Northlake, Illinois, a working-class industrial suburb of Chicago. We had an arborvitae hedge in front of the house. The needles were cruelly sharp. But by the time I was five, I'd learned how to carefully negotiate my way between the house and the first part of the hedge, and then I could crouch down and hide from the entire world. Everyone else in my family was scared of the prickly branches. My dad wouldn't even mow the lawn near it, so I was the only one brave enough to spend time close to it. Well, I was the only brave one in my human family. House sparrows hid in the hedge, too, except when I was too close. I loved sitting on the front stoop, watching them fly in. The bushes seemed to magically swallow them up, which I knew was impossible, but the sparrows were too quick for me to see just how they entered the shrub and disappeared. Unlike me, they didn't care if people knew they were hiding there. They'd be cheeping away, telling one another about their adventures loud enough for anyone to hear. I didn't understand a word they were saying, but how I loved to eavesdrop and imagine being part of their friendly little conversations. Sometimes little garter snakes crawled on the cool ground beneath the hedge, their winding movements and active little forked tongues tasting every millimeter of air before slithering into it captivated me. I didn't like holding snakes. They were cool and rather hard and unyielding to the touch, and their unblinking stares unnerved me a bit. But even a year or two before I'd heard of St. Francis of Assisi, and long before I knew of Mr. Rogers, I knew these little snakes were my neighbors, deserving as much respect as my beloved backyard squirrels or pet mice. We had a big old apple tree I loved to climb. I'd sit very still in the branches, hoping a bird, any bird, would fly up and perch next to me as I watched caterpillars chewing on leaves and moving about in their deliberate way, undulating up and down instead of side to side as snakes did. I loved when a caterpillar reached a fork in its path. It would lift up its front half and turn side to side so its shiny red space helmet head could look both ways before making the choice to turn left or right. I wished I could get inside its head to understand what it could see and smell and how it made decisions like that. As an adult, I learned that these were white-marked tussock moth caterpillars and that the hairs on them can cause bad rashes on people's skin. I had let hundreds of them crawl on my fingers and hands over the years, but I had never once touched their backs or sides. It seemed rude to touch them without permission, so that was a lesson I did not learn the hard way. 
Addison Creek meandered through town. Our parents were terrified of the smelly, murky creek water. Nevertheless, my big brother went fishing in it a lot. When he headed out, my mother would warn him not to fall in, reminding him that he could catch polio. But as petrified as she was of the dread disease, it would never have occurred to her or most of the other parents I knew to keep him away from the creek. He only caught bullheads and usually let them go because no way would my mother cook them. By the time I was five, I was tagging along with Jimmy. I loved fishing, at least the long essential part of it, sitting on the creek bank thinking deep thoughts while watching his red and white bobber floating and bobbing with the ripples of the water. But I hated the part at the start when the poor worm got put on the hook and the part which didn't happen very often when a fish got caught on the hook. When Jimmy got a reel rod and reel, he set up his old cane pole just for me with eight or ten feet of fishing line tied to the pole and nothing but a bobber at the other end of the line. Fishing with that was perfect. Next time, I'll talk about how those childhood experiences when I was so little shaped the adult I am today. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.